With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to Affected by Altitude, a Purple Road podcast for and by Rockies fans. Hello and welcome to episode 14 of Affected by Altitude. I am Ben Kuchner-Kavich here today with my co-host Becca Gillen. How are you today, Becca? I'm great. It's awesome. I'm in Phoenix, so I get a little bit of spring training. So it's it's a great day to be in warm weather. So how has the Purple Row experience been treating you so far? You're one of our newest writers. It's been great. I love getting to write all things Rockies and interacting with the community. So it's been really fun getting to know some of the people who are a huge part of what Purple Row is. Well, we are certainly happy to have you aboard here on the podcast and with all of your rock pile writing and other writing as well. And Adam Peterson has been here longer than any of us. How has your Purple Row experience been lately, Adam? Uh, I'm, I'm not an old man, but in some ways I feel like an old man. I, I'm just thankful that Russ Oates is still, still around because... Uh, I'm not the elder statement, uh, but just just one of the elder statesmen. So uh, I'm I'm excited to have uh, new people around. Um, I'm excited to uh, see how Sam's gonna, you know, run, run the ship. I think she's been doing a great job so far. So uh, so yeah, we'll miss her on the podcast, but she'll still be around a little bit. But yeah, it's uh, we're recording on the last day of February, so that means uh, real baseball is. Right around the corner, so I'm uh, I'm excited. Yeah, it's getting to the point where spring training is wearing a little thin, and we're about ready for the regular season to start now. A full gate, a full week of games under our belt. Becca, you have been to some games there in Arizona. How have the Rockies been looking? Yeah, I attended the game last Wednesday, and I attended the game last night, which was the start with Antonio Senzatella, which has been an interesting thing so he definitely does look like he lost weight his first inning was a little bit rough but he settled in after the first and his second and third inning looked great Jeff Hoffman on the other hand did not look great Uh, he went in right after Sensatello last night and just looked a little bit rough and I know he looked rough in his last game as well so it's been good to be in person watching the Rockies and there have definitely been some standout players, but there have also been some concerns that I'm having. It's interesting to see Owings playing multiple positions. So I got to see him start at shortstop on Wednesday and last night he started at third base. So it's interesting to see his versatility, um, getting to see Drew Butera a little bit, Elias Diaz a little bit. So overall, I think Certain players are looking really great, and others are still leading me to be a little bit concerned about the season. It's funny that you mentioned uh, the three biggest acquisitions of the offseason, uh, if you count Drew Butera as an acquisition, uh, all right there. But at least it, at least they all look good, right? So that means the Rockies did a great job this offseason, right? Yeah, I was actually impressed seeing a little bit of Elias Diaz and Drew Butera being able to hit a little bit more. I know the concern with Diaz is there is his defense more than anything, but he seemed to have a little bit of offense, which is great because I think with Tony, we have a little bit better defense and not so great offense. So maybe they could counteract off of each other perhaps. And Diaz hits righty, correct? I believe so. Correct. Yeah. So man, it's it's one of those things where uh if if you trusted the Rockies to to make the smart decision great granted like we're we're a week into games like and who knows what we'll see from Butera and Diaz the rest of the way but it seems like Diaz is the one who makes the most sense into this roster with you know uh defense first uh 
light hitting catcher in Tony, uh, it makes sense to get someone who hits a little bit better and, and from the right side of the plate in Diaz. Um, but I don't know. It's, uh, it's another one of those situations where you feel like the Rockies will end up going with what's familiar in Butera for better and, in this case, probably for worse. Well, to that point, um, so last night, we, we haven't mentioned Dom Nunez yet, and he doesn't make the most sense probably because he also hits left-handed just like Walters. But Nunez hit a three-run home run last night that had to go at least 450 feet. That was ridiculous. And then Butera came in as a defensive replacement for Walters later, and he got a little, he got jammed and hit a little bloop single into right field. And I just couldn't help thinking to myself, which hit was Bud Black <laughs> more impressed with? And it just, it it just hates. I hate that it crosses my mind that he's more impressed with that little sawed off other way single by Butera but that's just yeah it's it's almost like so there was an article I think it was uh I think it was from Nick Groke uh last week where he talked with David Dahl and David was talking about how he's trying to or no no sorry I'm sorry uh with Sam Hilliard and broke down Hilliard's four home runs from this year or from last September and Hilliard was talking about all these things about process oriented and what that looks like and how, you know, if you're process, if you're results oriented in this business, you're going to get frustrated every time you line out to center uh, and you'll be impressed with a bloop single to write. Whereas, uh, you know, if you're process oriented, you'll recognize one, what like they're both just, both of those are just a result of luck. And so you're right. Like, I feel like there's, still this old baseball mentality of like staying in at bats and being able to fight something off. And so that, that Bud Black is <laughs> impressed with, but I'm, uh, I'm hoping that there's other coaching in there who can push down that impulse. But you're right. Like the fact that it crosses the mind is sad. And I still think Butera is probably who makes the opening day roster, even though I really like Elias Diaz. I think there's a lot of potential in there, especially on offense against left-handed pitching. But Rene Deckard made an interesting point to me that the Rockies may be interested in keeping Butera in AAA simply so he gets experience with some of the younger pitchers. That would make a lot of sense. Yeah. The question is whether either of those guys are going to take an assignment to AAA. And Butera did so last year, so yeah. I can't imagine that might do so be again. A, uh, overwhelming market for Drew Butera's services on a major league roster. So if he doesn't make the team, then yeah, I think that's I think that's more likely than Diaz, who you know probably hits enough to where someone might take a flyer on him as a backup if if the Rockies don't keep him. Back to Hoffman, um, Nick Groke of the Athletic, I think yesterday, which would be the twenty eighth, is when he published an article about Hoffman that made his start last night, not his start, his appearance last night, look a little bit more uh, dire for him. Um, because Hoffman basically revamped everything this offseason as an effort to uh, make, you know, his last effort to succeed in the major leagues with the Rockies. And he's out of options right now. I guess they could use him in the bullpen if he doesn't make the rotation. But he has not looked good this spring. Two appearances only, but last Sunday against the Angels, he didn't look very good. He looked even much worse last night against the Giants. What's it going to be for Hoffman? Is he going to make the opening day roster? I don't think he will. I think it's probably going to be somebody like Chichi Gonzalez or even Antonio Sensatella. I mean, Sensatella looked a lot better last night than I expected. So I don't think Hoffman will make the opening day roster. But I also feel like at some point, they have to decide, do they want to have him as an option and just leave him in the bullpen and see if he can do some relief pitching and then maybe stretch him out again and have him start later in the season if injuries happen like they did last year? I don't know. I don't think they're going to give him up, but I also don't think he's going to make the rotation. Yeah, I think I think it all really depends on what, we're, uh, um, what the bullpen's looking like at the further we get, we haven't done our state of the position for bullpen. So, uh, uh, so there you go. Look forward to it. Folks. That's coming Wednesday. Uh, but I think that 
that's just that's a piece that I've been looking forward to because I'm I'm hearing from people who say, man, like I think the Rockies might have a good bullpen. I hear from other people like, man, this bullpen looks like it's gonna be terrible, and it's just like. I mean, in one sense, like, bullpens are an example of Schrodinger's cat. Like, they're at the same time good and not good. Uh, so, un- until you put them on the mound. Uh, but I think I think if Hoffman is continues with his bad performance, then it's, it's hard to justify putting him uh, in, like, a bridge role uh, between the, you know, maybe a short starter outing and the uh, – the back end of the bullpen uh but also doesn't necessarily make sense to put him in the role of a long man uh either because if you can't prevent runs or if you're uh, you know if your era is hovering pretty high like then yeah the purpose of a long man reliever is to uh either you know keep keep the other team off the board in the case of a uh an extreme lead or to kind of keep things within reach, uh, in an extreme deficit. And so, uh, it's unless he starts turning things around, I know he's out of options, but I think Becca's right. Like if it comes down to, you know, him versus Chi Chi in the, uh, in that number five spot, uh, I'm, I'm thinking it's, uh, it's to the bullpen and, you know, and, and maybe there's, plenty of other guys who are going to be destined for the bullpen who don't look great either. But, uh, but yeah, I just, what, based on what we've seen so far, again, we're a week into games. Like we've got, you know, three plus weeks left of spring training games. So he could turn it around. Like he could show something that the Rockies like, but I, I think Sensatella is probably the number four starter, um, or at least nominally the number four starter. Um, especially if he can, uh, deliver on that promise of the, uh, using his off-speed stuff more. Um, you know, there's a great article about that a few weeks ago from uh, from Harding, uh, just about how he's worked on that and how he put a lot more emphasis in September on it, and it, and he got good results. And so, uh, so yeah, I, I think Hoffman's on thin ice, which is uh, uh, leaves Jairo Diaz as the uh, last chance to officially uh, win the Tulo trade. So... So here's my eight bullpen arms that I'm predicting. Tell me if you agree. I have Davis, Oberg, Estevez, Diaz, Shaw McGee, and Pezos and Almonte. Yeah, I'm not sure if there's anyone that I would uh, disagree with that. Also, I said Jairo Diaz for the Tulo trade, and that's not correct. Yeah, I'm totally thinking of Tinoco. <laughs> uh, I think of Tinoco. I, I didn't want listeners to be... Uh, cursing my ignorance um <laughs> yeah i i think one of those names i'm really interested to see more from is is, is pezos and uh did we say it's pezos or pazos i've never decided uh let's see but you know he he had a really a really how it is pazos uh it's pazos I was yeah wondering. i'm really interested to see him because I, I i he showed a lot of intriguing stuff at least in to me, he showed a lot of intriguing stuff in uh, uh, in September last year, and so it's I'm interested to see how he does. I agree with all of those names. I think the only question mark I have still is Wes Parsons, because I know they're trying to make him a starter like he was originally and trying to stretch him out, but also he was in the bullpen last year. So I think that's a question mark for me on whether or not he will actually make the rotation or end up in a in the bullpen or maybe neither yeah he did start uh several games for uh a in atlanta with i believe that's the gwinnett braves in 2018 so that'll be interesting to watch a couple other names in the bullpen um i i didn't talk to john gray but i provided sam with some questions to ask john gray and she was able to bring back some answers for me one of the questions i asked gray was if he sees any potential for a breakout pitcher this year and his well he started by saying everybody looks really good we get it john you're a great teammate but he then eventually he eventually mentioned uh tim collins who pitched a little bit for the Chicago Cubs in 2019 and it was good, but it was just a very brief appearance. 
but uh, he's been brought in on a minor league deal, and I don't know. Have you got to see him pitch at all, Becca? I haven't. I have not. Okay. Yeah, but he he's an interesting name. But, yeah, Gray mentioned him specifically that he looks really good. There's also Daniel Bard, who hasn't pitched in the majors at all since 2013, who had a really rough go of it uh, with control issues kind of derailing his career. I looked at his numbers in uh, at single A for the Rangers in 2014. In two-thirds of an inning, he walked nine batters and hit seven. And I don't think I've ever seen anything quite that extreme before. But hopefully he's got those figured out, and he could be a pretty good comeback story if he makes the Rockies. So, wait. Please tell me that was stretched over multiple appearances. Um... I actually have to look at that, but still, it's two-thirds of an inning. I've never seen anything like that. Um, yeah, because that would mean that he faced 16, he faced 18 batters and got two outs in one appearance, which sounds like the most torturous thing you could do to a reliever in one appearance. So I just want to make sure that that was over several it was four. It was four games, which okay, still... Great. I mean, it's still very bad, but like that's <laughs> that's borderline malpractice if, it's, if it was one. He did so. strike out a batter, so that's better than a batter per inning striking out. Yeah, well, hey, good, you know, one, one out of two outs being a strikeout is a, is a great rate as well. <laughs> that's how strikeout rate works, right? Right, Ben? <laughs> yeah. um, turning to offense this spring, Arenado hit his first home run against the A's a few days ago. Um, I think that was the game in which he played. He, he requested to play all like the first seven innings. Um, and then, oh, I wanted to mention one more bullpen name, uh, Tyler Kinley. I was gonna, ma- has, I was gonna make sure we circled back to him because. Yeah, he's really impressed me so far. It's just two innings, but his first appearance, he had a really quick three ground out inning. Then he struck out two in his next appearance, so he's been perfect this spring. So he's a waiver claim from the Miami Marlins. He's on the forty man roster, but he does have a couple options remaining. He's an intriguing name as well. Yeah, I mean the guy's twenty nine years old, I think. Right, uh, which you don't see a lot of guys just kind of coming up, uh, coming in that way. I mean, last year he didn't look bad. Like I'm looking at his numbers right now, he had 46 strikeouts in 49 innings, uh, or sorry, 46 strikeouts in 49 innings and 36 walks. And so there, there's your red flag right there. But still, like, there's something there, uh, maybe. It's kind of drastic to look at his different ERA numbers throughout the years, though. So, like, last year, not a bad ERA with, you know, 3.65. But then when you look at 2018 in the earlier part when he was – it's just anywhere from – he has 12.27, 24.3. Like, it's it's a little bit of a rough ERA in some areas. But last year he did pretty good. So if he can bring that – back to the Rockies, that would be great. And one more note on Pazos. I think you can tell I wrote the bullpen state of the position because I have all these names circling around in my head. Spoiler Pazos bench. last year had <laughs> he had a 174 ERA in those. I think it was 12 appearances for the Rockies in September last year, but he was really shelled in AAA, but you know, Pacific Coast League. He does have a 288 ERA and 50 innings with the Mariners uh, just as recently as 2018. So he is definitely a name to watch. Yeah, and bullpen bullpen oh. guys are just so fungible anyway. Like, you know, so who knows how it's going to actually end up, right? But I think I think there's enough there, there to, like, at least be cautious, like, especially with all these new guys, right? Because it's like the division between – you know, the Super Bowl pen contract that, like, we unfortunately know what we're going to get. And, you know, all these guys who the Rockies have either developed or acquired in the past couple of years uh, who we're not sure what we're going to get from them, but what we've seen from them, there's enough to be encouraged by. And then lastly, a couple names on offense this spring. Chris Owings, so in five games, Becca mentioned him a little bit earlier. Uh, he's played five of six uh, spring training games, so they're definitely giving him a good look. He's hit 167. It's a, just a couple at bats, so there's not a whole lot to glean from that. It is better than what he hit last year in much, uh, a larger sample of Major League action, but he's been batting second a lot when the starters have not been playing. I don't know if that's just to get him more at bats or if that's actually something they're experimenting with. Hmm. 
what do you guys think? Anything to that? I think they're just trying to get him some at-bats and some time playing all the different positions to see if he can be the super utility guy that the Rockies are, I'm guessing, looking for, for that 26th man position. I think they really want somebody who can be versatile, somebody who can maybe give Arenado an off day if something happens or could potentially play first if Murphy gets hurt and we don't see success from Fuentes or Tyler Nevin. I think they just really want him to be versatile. And also it would give a little bit of depth in the shortstop position because we don't really have a lot of guys who feel comfortable if Trevor Story needs an off day or, you know, gets even slightly hurt and just needs a rest. So I think he could provide that versatility that the Rockies need. And his offense isn't the greatest, but if he can play all of the infield positions and even some of the outfields, he really can be super diverse. Yeah. Yeah, he reminds me a lot of Pat Vileka. Uh They're both right-handed, and... Owings does have some more outfield, especially versatility. He has a lot more experience playing center field. I don't think Valek has ever played center. Yeah, I, um, I think I think the thing to keep in mind yeah. with Chris Owings is um, you know, some of these late career, uh, you know, middle of the road non roster invitee guys. Uh, I feel like teams really want to give those guys a lot of good looks in early in spring training. Um, I think the real test will be. Uh, you know, how much playing time is he getting around uh, around March 20th when uh, AT&T Sportsnet starts broadcasting games? Um, if, he stop, if they start ramping down his playing time, then, uh, then we're probably not going to see a lot of Chris Owings. Uh, if, they, if they keep him up, then, then maybe. But it's, it's not necessarily just for themselves. Like, I, I agree with everything Becca just said. Like, I think that's all... Uh, spot on the the other wrinkle out at in there is you know sometimes teams just want to give these guys a shot uh, and give them enough of a look to where if another team has a need then then that guy can catch on with another team even if even if there's not space even if the Rockies decide not to put him as their 26th man well there might be another team that wants him and so uh, so right now like Chris Owing is is just looking for a major league uniform to wear, whether it's the Rockies or not, like he's going to play his heart out and, you know, cause other teams are watching. So, uh, but that being said, it would be nice to have a, uh, uh, a competent utility infielder, uh, who can spell that, uh, left side of the infield for us. And there was a similar situation with Michael Saunders last offseason when he was brought in as a non-roster invitee. I remember he played a decent amount, and then I realized, hey, I haven't seen Saunders play in a while. And then I realized, oh, they, they granted him his release. So he disappeared without even realizing it. So maybe that'll be the case for Owings as well. We'll see. Um, the other name I wanted to mention was Brett Boswell, who is leading the Cactus League. Yeah, he's been doing really well. Five eighty-three. Um, yeah, twelve at bats. I, uh, he's been doing really good. Brett Boswell of uh, I think he was forty-sixth on our perps this round. Like I think he made it on two, maybe three ballots. Uh, so yeah, look at that guy. Just uh, not going to cover off the ball. And welcome back. You know, Sam and I have talked extensively about how this off season has gone with all the uh, noise surrounding Nolan Arenado, Jeff Breidich and Dick Monfort. Uh, we haven't got the opinions of Becca or Adam yet. So Becca, how has this off season, what has your been, what, what has been your uh, interpretation of it? I have been really frustrated with the whole Breidich Arenado situation. I love Nolan. I don't want Nolan to leave. But I also understand that he wants to win and he's been very frustrated with the front office, which makes sense. But my stance the entire time has been, I really, really think the only way that we're going to see Nolan stay through the entire season is if the Rockies win. If we have a good start to the season, if we're above 500 at the all-star break, I think that's the only time we're going to 
are the only option we really have to keep Nolan is to win. I think if we're below that threshold, he'll probably be traded before the trade deadline or sometime next off season. I don't want that to happen, but I also understand his want to win. So I think that's been my stance the entire time. And I want to be really, really frustrated with Breitich. I just haven't been focusing my energy on that like other people have. I've really just been focused on what can we actually do to keep Nolan because I think he's not only a fan favorite, but also going to eventually be one of the best third basemen of all time. Basemans, that's third baseman of all time. Yeah. <laughs> Plurals are hard. Yes, yeah, so Adam, I will offer you the opportunity to give your dissenting opinion on something that uh, a lot of Rockies fans feel is a big deal, and that's Dick Monfort's prediction of the Rockies winning 94 wins. But you don't think that we should read a whole lot into that, no, right? No, I, I, uh, I think it's owner speak at, uh, at its highest. Um, you know, a lot of national outlets have uh, picked up on it, like – you know, baseball prospectus in their uh, online preview, at least, uh, made big mention of it. Um, there's been a lot of pointing and snickering and laughing. And if the pointing and snickering and laughing at Dick Mumford is because of the rationale he used, then fine, point and snicker and laugh, because it's like, you know, the logic of, well, you know, 07, 08, 09, we did this, this, and this, so based on that, we're going to do this in 18, 19, and 20. Um, but just the bare fact of him coming out and saying, yeah, we're going to win 94 games is a, is a huge nothing burger for me. Um, there was a time uh, where Dick would give an annual, he would do a column with someone like Woody Page or uh, Mark Kisla or, or someone like that, where he would just come out and say, uh, yeah, we're going to win 90 games and, uh, and make the playoffs, or we're going to win 95 games and we're going to go uh, win the division. Um, and there was a couple of times when, like, the Rockies were coming off, like, back-to-back-to-back losing seasons or whatever. Um, and so it got to the point where there was just kind of a wink and a nod, even even in the article, where it was kind of like, what do you expect me to say, you know? Um, and I confirmed this with my dad because, you know, he's he's got a longer memory than I have. I was like, did I make this up? He's like, no, he used to do that all the time. So, like, I think because... Dick hasn't done it in a few years, we, we kind of gloss over it, you know? Uh, but, you know, to a certain extent, he could say nothing, which is what he's done in the past few years, or he could say something, but I don't think you're going to get an owner, at least not an owner who's like Dick Montfort, who's going to come out and say, well, shoot guys, like, you know, it's going to be a real tough year and, you know, we're going to do this and that and the other thing. Like, you know, he's, he's the guy who wants to convey confidence. And so, uh, so yeah, the rationale was laughable at best, right? But the, the prediction itself is, it's just owner speak. And I, I think we could all save ourselves a lot of uh, frustration and um, a lot of, a lot of hand wringing if we just recognize what's owner speak, what's GM speak. And, uh, and recognize some of those things just don't need to be read into because it's only going to drive us crazy. So are you saying the interpolation is wrong? Uh, yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, the rationale that he gave is, we'll, we'll call it difficult to follow. We'll be nice to, to Mr. Monfort and say it was difficult to follow. Um, I, uh, I mean... If we want to get into predictions, we can get into predictions. I prefer to save my predictions for closer to the season, but uh, but I will say like I, I think ninety four is um, is going a little bit beyond the best case scenario for the Rockies this year. Do you have any predictions for the standings this season, Becca? I think we're gonna do slightly better than last year, but I don't think we're gonna be anywhere near ninety four wins. Um, I think maybe a game or two more than last year. I want to see a little bit more of spring training. I want to see where the opening day roster ends up before I make a solid prediction. 
but I'm guessing we're going to have maybe two to three more wins next year than we did last season. I've got 69 and 93. And ben continuing his um, trend of being the pessimistic one. We, we thought 82 wins last year was pessimistic. And, uh, and he overshot them by 11. So let's hope he overshoots by 11 again this year, at least. Um, so last year with the rotation, they were – it seemed like Gray, Marquez, and Freeland were set, and then they were kind of betting on the final two spots being better. This year you've got Gray and Marquez are set, and then you're counting on the next three spots being better. Freeland's definitely going to be in there, but you're also counting on him being better. You're really counting on the bullpen this year. You're counting on a lot of bounce back from guys who aren't named Arenado, Story, or Blackman, or Dahl. You're also counting on Dahl's health, though. So the Rockies are betting on themselves a lot, even more so than last year, and I think it's going to turn out poorly for them again. That is just my take. There's potential on the roster for sure, and I like to believe that there, this team could even get to 94 wins. There's a lot of potential. But yeah, I, I think if we're talking happening. about the difference between what's possible and what's most likely, um, I think those are two very different conversations with this roster. Uh, I think what's possible for this team is uh, fringe wildcard contention um, because – I mean, for all the moves that the uh, the Diamondbacks and Padres made, they still project to be not that much better than the Rockies, uh, based on baseball perspective, based on Pakota, right? Um, so, so in a sense, like you know, it's the wild card race is wide open. Um, I, I was uh, talking to my neighbor yesterday, and I think you know the Rockies are kind of just in this crappy position where you know really the way they have to build their roster is based on some of the, uh, you know, the market constraints that they have, like they, they have to kind of build to be a above average team and hope that they can get a wild card because you aren't competing. No one's competing with a Dodgers team that adds Mookie Betts and David Price in the off season and is now projected by Pakoda, which is one of the more, more conservative projection systems out there. They're projecting projected for, 103 wins, which is insanity for a projection system to throw out there. So um, there's no division, like, there's no division title in the works uh, this year, um, which makes 2018 even more frustrating. Um, but that's a, that's a different topic. But to your point, Ben, like, I mean, there's potential on the roster. I, th- I th- think that there is a reasonable path, like not a not a purple color glasses path, but it, but a reasonable path to uh, to a winning record. I think you got to put some purple color glasses on to say that they're going to um, contend. But even at that point, like it's still possible. I just think that's a little too optimistic. Um, but I will say I do think you are. Uh, you're probably you're probably going to be the more uh, more on the lower end of the prediction scale among staff again this year as far as win totals. Um, Because I'll also say, like, I think to Becca's point earlier, like, if they want to keep Nolan, they need to to win. Um, But at the same time, I think think Nolan has an opt-out after 2021. And I think that the Rockies have a lot of money coming off of the books after 2020. Um, And so I think it's... uh, um, I think the path to contention in 2021 is uh, is very much there, uh, and I think the Rockies would be better served to go the Washington Nationals route than the Boston Red Sox route. Um, the Nationals didn't seem like they had a chance of keeping Rendon. Turns out they they didn't. Uh, he went somewhere else this offseason, but they kept him and they made a run for it. And lo and behold, like they rode a wild card. Uh, into a World Series title. Now, I'm not saying that the Rockies are going to win the World Series, but um, you look at the Red Sox who said, well, we're not going to be able to keep Mookie Betts. And the Red Sox are already a good team. Uh, They very well could have held on to Mookie Betts, made a run for it, um, but for whatever reason, they chose not to. And there's all kinds of complicated things. Like, I don't care. Um, 
But I think of the two, I would rather see, not just because I love Nolan, which I do, but I would rather see the Rockies take the uh, take the Na- uh, Washington Nationals route than the Boston Red Sox route uh, with Nolan with, uh, with this offseason. I think the Rockies are going to be 20 games out at the deadline because no matter what happens, because the Dodgers are going to be that good. Personally, that's, that's, that's just the complicating scenario to me here. Like the Rockies aren't going to be in division contention. There's no way like, um, you know, unless Bob Nightingale predicts that they're going to wrap up the division, but yeah. I think it's going to be interesting to see where we end up at that point and if Nolan does end up wanting to be or the Rockies are seeking out trade options for him. It's going to have to be something that makes sense for the Rockies too, which I think is going to be a complicated piece, especially if Nolan maintains his opt-out for the, after 2021, some other team is going to scoff at that a little bit potentially especially with such a high salary only to have him for a season season and a half could be tough unless Nolan decides to waive that part of his contract but I think it still needs to be a great deal for the Rockies in order to move him and I don't know what kind of deal that would be yeah I mean the Red Sox got a lot from Mookie Betts uh even though he like he his wasn't even an opt out, he's just gonna hit free agency. Um, I think that deal's out there. The question is, is there any contending team that has the prospects who's gonna be able to make that trade? And the only teams I could see maybe doing that, like maybe the Braves, um, but uh, probably the Cardinals. But I think it's possible, Becca. But I think you're right. Like it's gotta make sense for the Rockies because at the end of the day, like um. Yeah, at the end of the day, you don't trade Nolan as a favor to him, like because he has that opt out. He has that opt out. He can get out if he wants. But like, if you're gonna make the trade, like it's got to make sense. For it him. has to make sense for both Nolan and the team. And I don't even want to think about exactly. that. I know we're still a ways away from the trade trade deadline, guys. We're still in spring training, but I don't want to think about that because I love Nolan as a fan. But it's going to be a deal that has to make sense for both parties. Otherwise it's just not going to happen. So we talked about the Dodgers a little bit. Let's get into some world series predictions. Now Um, I'll go first to give you guys time to think about it. I have the Los Angeles Dodgers over the Los Angeles angels. And that would, I mean, Rob Manfred would be like awake at night, like, upset about there not being any east coast teams involved but i think we will see a freeway series in the world series for the first time um angels pitching is a little bit of a question mark but they got anthony rendon they still have mike trout um that's a pretty good guy to have but the pitching is a concern of course dylan bundy's gonna need to do good for them uh, but I definitely see them making a wild card spot and then potentially making a run. Griffin Canning is a guy they were relying on. He has to go for an MRI in his elbow now. That's unfortunate for them. But that's what I've got for the World Series. And I had that even before uh, Mookie Betts and David Price were traded to the Dodgers. So I think they were already in good shape, and now they're in even better shape. Okay, well, uh, I don't think a lot of people would have predicted a – well, actually, I take that back because there are there were a couple national writers who predicted before the season a Nationals Astros World Series last year, um, and Nationals took kind of a surreptitious route to get there. Um, but but yeah, I feel like the the World Series is such a crapshoot that um, uh, you know if you look at the Nationals, like they wrote a wild card, they were down in the uh, they were losing in an elimination game for uh two of the three yeah two of the three rounds or three of the four rounds that they participated in last year and they won the world series so there's a lot of randomness that goes along so 
I'm I'm going to go completely off the wall, and I'm going to say uh, I'm going to say White Sox Phillies. Um, I think the White Sox, uh, you know, I think Eloy Jimenez and Louis Luis. I don't know if it's Luis or Louis. Uh, Luis Robert are uh, uh, make up a pretty intriguing outfield. I think uh, Yohan Moncada's coming to his own. Uh, they got Nick Madrigal, who could also come up and make some noise. Uh, they got Jose Abreu. Um, they also signed Yasmani Grandal. Uh, but they also have some pitching. You know, uh, Michael Kopech is on his way back. Um, uh, Lucas Giolito uh, from the Adam Eaton, Eaton trade, of all places. Like, he's looking like a bona fide top-of-the-line uh, starter. So um, I think they have a lot there. Um, and, you know, I think they're at least as good as the Indians. Um, whether they're as good as the uh, the Twins is uh, kind of up for grabs based on whether we see much regression out of the Twins. Though the Twins did go for it again by uh, by sending Donaldson, so I don't know. But uh, but then the Phillies, I like I just like that offense uh, with Real Muto and Hoskins and Harper. Um, we'll see if McCutcheon uh, can be serviceable. Um, Segura's a uh, you know, decent shortstop for them. And they got Noel, uh, Aaron Nola at the front of the rotation. So, um, so yeah, I'm just going to go completely off the wall um, and reserve the right to change my prediction right before spring training. But right now, I'm, I'm going to say a uh, Phillies-White Sox World Series. You mentioned the AL Central there. I think Cleveland's going to win the division. Which is probably you would probably consider a hot take, considering uh-huh. what the uh, the uh, position you just put forward. Yeah, I uh, I'm interested to uh, to see to see your rationale there, uh, especially with the twins. Like I, for which is crazy, uh, coming from you know time traveler from this time in 2019, being like, how do you, how can you see the Indians overcoming the Twins. So, I hope the Twins do well because it would be nice to see a team that went for it, um, getting some, you know, getting good good result out of that. Because they added, uh, I think they had they brought in more players than about anybody else. Yeah. This off season, and they were already a pretty good team. Just only unfortunately faced the Yankees in the playoffs, and got the ball deadened on them. So. Okay, guys, I think I finally have at least somewhat of my prediction. It's really hard for me because I'm trying to evaluate all the teams still. It's still early in spring training. But I think the Braves might actually have a shot. I know they struggled against the Cardinals last season. But, you know, they acquired a few players. Um, They got Cole Hamels and Will Smith. So there's potential there. So I think it might be Braves. I'm still struggling on who I think it will be from the AL. Um, I mean, I know the the Astros were muddled with scandal this offseason, but if their players truly have talent and it wasn't just the cheating that helped them win the World Series, they haven't really lost any key players. So maybe potentially a Braves-Astros World Series? Mm. Other than Garrett Cole. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. I I I think I think that's a legit guess. I think what we're uh, I'm going off the wall by saying Phillies White Sox, but I think what's actually going to happen is we're going to get my worst nightmare and we're going to get a uh, Dodgers Yankees World Series, and I will uh, I will assume that the 2020 World Series was vacated because I'm not watching any of those games. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So well. Brought up the Cardinals. I think the Cardinals are going to be worse than the Rockies. Um, Cardinals have a lot of... They really remind me of what happened for the Rockies from 2018 to 2019 and the really precipitous fall-off that happened for the Rockies. I think that's going to happen for the Cardinals. That rotation is very thin. Um, The offense beyond what Paul Goldschmidt... and He's about... I mean, he's like clearly the best... Um, option they have and then there's like Colton Wong but he you know there's Paul DeYoung but he actually wasn't as good as I think a lot of people thought he was I don't know I think the Cardinals are in dire straits this coming season yeah I mean 
I could see that. I, c- I can see that too. Um, I am a big, big fan of Jack Flaherty, though. Um, and so I think when you are mm-hmm. uh, leading your roster with uh, with Jack Flaherty, like that, that puts you in a good position. Um, but but yeah, I think I think you're right. Otherwise, like there's a they're getting old fast. Um, I'm also a big fan of Luke Weaver. I almost forgot about him. So. Um, He's in the Diamondbacks. Oh, duh, duh. Sorry, I'm looking at the wrong. I was looking at their 2018 roster, I guess, um, not their 2019 roster. Um, yeah, uh, I, I think that's less of a hot take than your Indians hot take. Um, All right. Yeah. The fun thing is, we don't know what's going to happen, so we can make any sort of predictions yeah, we that's, want. Uh, and no one will ever bring them up to us ever again. Uh, All right. Is there anything else you want to say on the predictions topic? No, I think that's a good place to stop it. All right. Then we will be back with Fire Up the Fountains. Welcome back to Affected by Altitude. It's time to play our favorite game, Fire Up the Fountains. I will... This is Becca's first time. She can go first, and then Adam can answer, and then I'll give my my take. How about that? Okay. So for our first question, will Drew Butera make the opening day roster? Becca? I will not be firing up the fountains for that one. Who do you think will be the backup catcher? Elias Diaz. All right. What do you think, Adam? Uh, I am so torn between what should happen and what I think will happen. Um, but I'm going to go the way of optimism. And I'm going to join Becca and say, nah, I'm not firing up the fountains. Uh, but I think, I think it might be, wait, does Dom have any options left? He has to. Yeah. yeah he has to have options left. So yeah, I think it'll be Elias Diaz then. Let me see exactly how many options. I think he might have three, but let's <laughs> Well, he Let's made his major league debut last year, so he should have at least two. Um, while I'm let's use this opportunity up. to plug the let's use this opportunity to plug the wonderful RockiesRoster dot com um, for all your Rockies roster needs. Uh, he does have do three it. options. Yes. Okay, they do a fantastic job. Give them some traffic. Give them some love. They're wonderful. Um, I will fire up the fountains though and say Drew Butera will be making making the opening day roster as the backup catcher. Unfortunately. Anyway, next question. Will Jeff Hoffman make the opening day roster? We already talked about this a little bit. Anything more to say on that, Becca? I'm firing up the fountains. That he. I don't think he's going to be necessarily starting rotation, but I think he might end up in the bullpen. All right, Adam? Uh, yeah, I don't think... I, I'll fire up the fountains, too. I think he... Uh, I think the Rockies are going to find a way to keep him around and uh, and give him a short leash uh, once the season starts. This could go either way for me, um, especially given recency bias, I would want to say no, uh, given how he's performed this spring, but it is very tough to see them letting him go and being claimed by another team with him being out of options. I am going to fire up the fountains and say he will make the team, but I am much less confident in that than I was just a few days ago. What about Chris Owings? Will he make the opening day roster, Becca? I'm firing up the fountains on that one, too. I think he's going to be the versatile utility man, especially for the infield, but he could also do some center field if we need him. Adam? Yeah, I'm... Uh... I'm going to not fire up the fountains. I ever, as soon as you mentioned Michael Saunders, I'm like, yeah, I think he's this year's Michael Saunders. But, um, so yeah, I'm, I'm going to not fire up the fountains on that one for that reason. This is another one that recency bias is factoring in. And I thought there was no way he would make it at, uh, just like a month ago. But now I am a little bit uh, on the fence. Josh Fuentes and Garrett Hampson are his primary competition to making the roster. But now I don't think it is all that ridiculous to think he could replace one of those two. 
I am not firing up the fountains just yet, but like the previous question of Hoffman, recency bias is factoring in, and I am a little bit on the fence now. Will Wade Davis be the closer all year, Becca? I am not going to fire up the fountains on that one. I think we might see a little bit more Oberg than what Bud Black has said. Like, I know they keep saying it's going to be Wade Davis, but I think it might end up being Oberg later on. Yeah, I'm, uh, as soon as you added that qualifier for the whole season, uh, yeah, the uh, Davis's uh, ballooning walk rate can't keep ballooning, but also I don't necessarily see it going all the way back down to uh, below two per nine, which is where it was um, when he was very, very good. So I don't think he's going to be able to hold on to it the whole year. I think Becca's right. That's It's got to be Oberg. I never thought last season we would actually see him be removed from the closer's role, and that happened in early August, so that impacts my decision a little bit here. I think it's all based on Davis's performance, and since I don't think Davis is going to perform to the level that Oberg can, I will not fire up the fountains, and I will say Wade Davis will not be the closer all year, though he definitely should be starting. He likely will start the season as the closer. Yeah, I'm going to throw a wrinkle in there, and like... I think it's possible that Wade Davis does just well enough that the Rocky, that Bud Black decides he'd rather have Oberg um, available in those previous innings to, to face, you know, the tough part of the lineup or whatever. So I think it's possible. Like I threw it out of, I threw it out out of hand, but now that I think about it, like, I think it's possible, Uh, but it would be a strategic decision, not necessarily based on, uh, uh, Davis outperforming Oberg. Then another question about the bullpen. This is a kind of a two-parter. There could be possible wrinkles in the answers here. Will Brian Shaw and or Jake McGee be on the roster all year? Because it got to the point for Mike Dunn last season where they just weren't going to withstand that performance anymore. What do you think, Becca? I don't think they're going to make it all season. So I'm not going to fire up the fountains on them making it all season. I think maybe Brian Shaw will make it, but I don't think McGee will. You said McGee, right? Yes. I don't think McGee will make it all season. He's been super disappointing since he signed his extension. I don't see it being something that lasts all season. So maybe Brian Shaw, maybe not. I, that one I'm 50, 50 on, but I don't think Jake McGee will make it all season. Yeah, that's funny because I actually think it's the opposite. <laughs> I uh, I think um, uh, I think McGee is more likely to stick around just for the sheer fact that he's left-handed. Um, now, having said that, you know you've got the uh, the three batter minimum rule, uh, which that's that's supposed to take effect this year, right? Yeah. Yes. So yes. Um, so that might limit uh, um, McGee's effectiveness there, but I uh, I just think there's um, I just think there's always need for lefty pitchers, and so I think because of that, uh, of the two, we're I think we're more likely to see um, uh, Ober, or uh, McGee stick around than Shaw. Yeah, I think we are. Pr- I think we're more likely to see Shaw stick around than the McGee personally. Though McGee and Pazos are right now the only two left-handed options that really stick out in the bullpen. Unless Philip Deal, um, they want to give him more chance. Yeah, he's another. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know my answer <laughs> to my own question here. I don't know if Shaw. Are, um, I'm gonna. I'm going to fire up the fountains and say that they'll just, they'll be on, they'll be here all year. And you know, they've got, I think they, is that, do they both have vesting options or is one a club and one a vesting? Uh, I'm pulling it up right now to see. Um, yeah. 21 in team option for Shaw and for McGee. Nope. Hit the wrong button. Once again, Rockies roster for all your Rockies roster needs. Um, yeah, they're both team options. So, okay. 
Well, I'm yeah. I wonder if they'll. I don't know if they'll get picked up or not. It's it's. You wouldn't think they would, but it's hard to tell exactly what's going to happen. A couple more questions now. The f this one. So, perp number 25, Justin Lawrence, was suspended 80 games <laughs> for performance-enhancing drugs this offseason. He says it was due to a contaminated supplement. Was it due to a contaminated supplement? Becca. <laughs> I'm not going to fire up the fountains on that one. I. It's so hard to... to okay, so, like, I want to believe him, but I also can't really believe him so i don't think it was a contaminated substance i think he knew what he was doing even if it was just uh, once uh i love that you asked this question <laughs> um i'm gonna fire up the fountains but i'm gonna say that uh, contaminated supplement is a better excuse than i didn't know what i was taking uh which is what i think act like my most charitable reading is that he didn't realize that whatever he was taking was on the banned substances list. Um, and so, uh, but I hear me say that is my most charitable reading. Let, let the listener understand, uh, and, uh, and go from there. So I'm not firing up the phones, but for a slightly different reason than Becca. Dehydrochlormethyltestosterone is the is the full name for DHCMT. Yeah, I'm not firing at the fountain. I don't know how something <laughs> with that long of a name can can get in. It's there. not like it sneaks in through the back door. Uh, I don't know. And like Stanzolol is the other thing. Like, what kind of subst like supplement would he have that would be contaminated with something like that? That's what I don't understand. Like. What were you taking where this could possibly be hidden in there? Well, to quote Lawrence, it was obviously yes, contamination. Obviously. So it should and be obvious. We'll say that none of us are uh, uh, you know, athletic trainers or whatever by trade, but come on. <laughs> Final question. Does Rob <laughs> Manfred even like baseball? Becca? <laughs> I'm not firing up the fountains. I think he just hates us all with some of these things. He hates the fans. He wants to ruin the game with certain rules that he's making. I don't think he truly is a fan or likes baseball as the sport. I think he's just trying to make money, which is, I guess, his job. But I think he's going about it the wrong way. Um, I have a far more sinister answer. Yes, I'm firing up the fountains. I think that my, Rob Manfred does like baseball. I think he is a baseball fan. I think he is just woefully inept at diagnosing the issues uh, that are plaguing baseball or at the very least is exceptionally in, uh, incompetent at uh, diagnosing viable or even helpful solutions. So I... Uh, yeah, and somehow that makes me feel worse that I think that. Um, uh, I think it would be a lot easier to just be like, he just doesn't like baseball, he's just a lawyer, and he's just throwing things out there to throw things out there. But I think he does like baseball. I don't think, like, I, I think he got in to where he is because of that. But uh, I just think he's doesn't understand <laughs> what to do <laughs> about it. Um, yeah, I'm not firing up the fountains. I 100% with what Becca said. Um, yeah, I'll just leave it at that. Rob Manfred, I mean, it's, it's <laughs> it gets to the point where, like, where you want Bud Selig back. That's how you know that there's a problem. <laughs> All right, so that has been Fire Up the Fountains. I've been Ben Kuchner-Kavich. Adam Peterson has been Adam Peterson. Becca Gillen has been Becca Gillen. And thank you for joining us. And the Rockies are going to be on ATT Sportsnet rocky mountain soon as the broadcast schedule shifts into the later months uh the later the spring training shifts into the later months and the broadcast schedule finally gets underway and we don't have to just watch uh nbc sports bay area or marquee sports network broadcasts anymore thank you for joining us and we'll be back next time and you guys can add a goodbye if you'd like
Yeah. Okay. Go Rockies. Oh, oh, oh. You know what would be really cool? If we did like it, like they used to do in Coors Field way back in the day. And I would be like, go. And then Becca would be like, Rockies. Go for it. <laughs> go. Rockies. Thank you for listening to Affected by Altitude. 